Independence Day, 245 years ago, Continental Congress signed the Declaration of Independence. We're familiar with it, and I think it's good to read every once in a while. It talks about the reasons why they felt that they should separate from British control. But a phrase that is very familiar is this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Liberty is one word that we focus on a lot. Freedom is sometimes what we call it. And we are celebrating the freedom of the United States today, but we need to explore and celebrate the freedom which we have in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's why I entitled this sermon, Finding True Freedom, because we can find true freedom in Jesus Christ. What freedom is not? It is not the freedom to do whatever we want. That's a common perception today, that if we're free, we can just do whatever we want to. There's a book in the Old Testament, Judges, that says the people did what was right in their own eyes. And there was chaos. There was a mess. There was deterioration. Things did not go well when people did what was right in their own eyes. Can you see that in America today? Because are not many people doing what's right in their own eyes? And as a result, I feel that we as a nation are moving in the wrong direction. According to what Chuck said, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And there are plenty of people in America that say there is no God. And they want to take God completely out of life and out of government. But I believe this is true as well. The fool acts like there is no God. And I would say that much of America today is acting like there is no God. Too many people in the church are acting like there is no God. And what they're doing is they are interpreting freedom as the opportunity to do whatever they want to do. But instead of freedom being doing whatever we want, it's, it's a matter of doing what we ought to do. The opportunity, the ability to become what God wants us to be and accomplish what God wants us to do. That's what true freedom is. Again, the opportunity and the ability to become what God wants us to be and to accomplish what God wants us to do. My perspective is that, that God knew what he was doing when he made us. He's pretty smart. And he knows how we ought to act. Reminds me of, of a watch. If a watch all of a sudden decided that it wanted to be used for something else other than telling time, that watch would no longer be useful, would it? It's no longer accomplishing what the maker wanted it to be. You can use another illustration, the illustration of a train. As a train is moving along on the tracks, it looks at the the, the meadows and, and things like that, and thinks, thinks well, I'd rather be out there. And so let's say that train gets off the track and ends up in a meadow. Is that train going to do well? No, it's going to get stuck. And I think that a lot of us are getting stuck in America today because we are disregarding what God and His Word says to us, and we're doing our own thing instead of doing what we ought to do. Another illustration might be a book. 
Now, a book is intended to be read. Uh, it's not intended to keep a door open. How many of you have ever used a book for something of that nature? Okay. A couple of people have done that. Or it's, it's not to be used in order to level a bed. That's not the primary purpose a book is for. Wouldn't you agree with that? And sometimes what we do is we do not live according to the purpose of God in His Word. What we do is we make up our own purpose. We decide to do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. But that's not true freedom. True freedom is being able to be what God has planned, what He wants us to be, what He wants us to do. One of our big problems in America today is the same problem we've had for centuries, ever since the Garden of Eden, and that problem is sin. There was a president who, who went to church, and, and he came back. His wife was sick, and, and, the, and, the, and the wife said, well, what did he say? And the president said, well, he talked about sin. And, and, and she said, what, what did he say about sin? The president said, I think he was against it. We need to be against sin, wouldn't you agree? And the problem is that sin so often captures us, and we are taken control by sin. But Jesus Christ provides freedom when it comes to sin. Number one, freedom from the penalty of sin. That's called justification. One of those theological words, basically because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we can be justified. We don't have to experience the penalty of sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is what? Death. Eternal separation from God. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We deserve to go to hell. That's bad news. But the good news is that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we can be justified. We can be free from the penalty of sin. We can spend eternity in heaven rather than spending eternity in hell. John 3.16 hints at this as well. Whoever believes in him should not what? Perish, but instead have everlasting life. If we are Christians, if we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we're free from the penalty of sin. We are experiencing justification. I think it's important for us to make sure that we understand the gospel and that we have trusted Jesus Christ as as Savior. We're sinners. We deserve to die and spend eternity separated from God, but Jesus died for us. And when we recognize our sin, turn from our sin, and trust Jesus as our Savior, then we have everlasting life. But not only do we need to experience freedom from the penalty of sin, we also need to experience freedom from the power of sin. Now, there are sermon notes on on the back of of your bulletin insert that you can be filling in. I see everybody's looking at me, and that's good, but you probably know it all, so you don't have to fill it in. But you can fill it in if you want to. Freedom from the power of sin, and what that is all about is sanctification. Sanctification has to do with holy living. It's a matter of being set apart to God to live our lives for Him. The problem is that in ourselves, we can do no good thing. We can't live the Christian life in our own strength, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. A couple of portions of Scripture to consider. One is 1 Corinthians, chapter, no, excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Romans 6, 11 through 14 says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. By God's grace, we can live in such a way that sin does not have dominion over us. We can we can live with freedom from the power of sin. Now that does not mean that we never do anything wrong. Has anybody not sinned so far this year? Normally I raise my hand to show you how to do that, but anybody here not sinned so far this year? Okay, We all sin, don't we? We all mess up. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you are sinning less than you used to? We ought to be that way as Christians, should we not? We should be growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We should be spending time with Jesus Christ and therefore becoming more like Him. And when we do that, then we will sin less and less. First John chapter 1 talks about confessing our sins. It says that these things are written that we do not sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The freedom from the penalty of sin... If we've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we don't have to die and go to hell. We can go to heaven instead. Freedom from the power of sin. God helps us to live the Christian life, to live a holy life more and more consistently as we trust Him and as we focus on our relationship with Him. Then there is freedom from the presence of sin. We are not there yet. That's heaven. And when we get to heaven then we are not going to be sinning anymore. I, I, don't, I believe as, as we look at heaven, God does not allow sin into heaven. Therefore, when we die, if we have righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, we can go to heaven. If we don't, then we spend eternity away from heaven. So what we need to do is recognize the importance of trusting Jesus Christ as Savior so we can spend eternity with Him. First John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. How do we become the children of God? By believing in His name. John 1, 12, As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on His name. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One of these days when we see Jesus Christ, we're going to be like him, which means that we're going to have glorified bodies and that we are going to be sinless like him. Adam and Eve started off sinless, but they chose to sin. They chose to doubt God and disobey him. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and cleansed. We are declared righteousness. We are declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And one of these days, we're going to be free from the presence of sin. Now, one of the problems is that so often Christians are not experiencing this freedom. If we know Jesus Christ as Savior, we are free from the penalty of sin. We're going to heaven. But we need to make sure that we know Jesus Christ as Savior. Many of us. Uh, when we get to heaven, I mean, if we're Christians, we will experience freedom from the presence of sin. But right now, how about the power of sin? 
Isn't it true that sometimes we as Christians allow sin to have dominion over us? That, that we do what we want to do or what the world wants us to do or sometimes what Satan wants us to do rather than doing what God wants us to do. When we recognize our sin, what we need to do is we need to confess and repent. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we recognize our sin, we turn from our sin. We say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I was wrong. I'm depending on you to forgive me and cleanse me. And he promises to do so. That's good news indeed. And we don't have to give in to temptation. In 1 Corinthians, and I'd like for you to turn there for just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Verses 12 and 13, it talks about the importance of humility and faith. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, take, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If we think we have our act together, if we think that we're doing pretty well, if we think that we are going to be able to withstand temptation on our own, we need to be careful lest we fall. And then it says in verse 13, real, real long verse to memorize, no temptation has taken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not permit you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, no temptation comes our way that we cannot handle with God's help. Wouldn't you agree with that? God does not tempt us to sin. He gives us an opportunity to, to move away from sin. A lot of times it's through spending time in God's Word, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When Jesus was tempted, he quoted Scripture. But we need to recognize that we can be free from the power of sin. We can live a life which is more and more victorious the closer we are to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what freedom is all about. We need to find free, true freedom. Not being able to do whatever we want, but instead being able to do what God wants us to, what we ought to do. Freedom from the penalty of sin, justification, freedom from the power of sin, sanctification, and freedom from the presence of sin, glorification. But how do we experience this freedom? I think there are two things that we see primarily in John chapter 8. You will take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8. Jesus talks about freedom. I'm going to read verses 31 through 36. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So he's talking about freedom here. He's, he's talking about freedom from sin. We've already discussed that. But how do we do that? Number one, by following Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. We need to be his disciples indeed. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 4.19, what? Follow me 
and I will make you fishers of men. We are to be following Jesus Christ. We should be his students. We should be following his example, and we should also be following his exhortations. According to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we're commanded to make disciples by going and sharing the gospel, by baptizing, and by teaching them to do what? To observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. So if we're true disciples of Jesus Christ, we are going to be following his example as well as his exhortations. Matthew 16, 24 is a verse that, that I've used many times. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him do three things. Number one, deny himself. Number two, take up his cross. And then number three, follow me. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Not focusing on ourselves. We should be selfless. Not trying to be comfortable. We should be sacrificial. And then we should be surrendered to his will, making sure that we are seeking to live for him. In fact, if you look up right above John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36, we see what Jesus said about doing God's will. Beginning at verse number 28, Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, talking about lifting him up on the cross, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Basically, what he said is, is that I, I speak the words that my Father gives me, that my Father teaches me. And so what we need to be doing, if we're disciples, is speaking the Father's words. Wouldn't you agree with that? What we say makes a difference. And we need to be communicating in such a way that God is glorified through our speech. We need to be gracious. We don't need to, to speak in an ungracious way. We certainly don't need to, to speak in a corrupt way. We don't need to use unseemly language or tell stories which aren't glorifying to God. We need to make sure that we are speaking the Father's words. But not only that, we also need to be doing the Father's pleasure. Notice what it says in verse number 29. I always, this is Jesus speaking, I always do the things that please the Father. I always do the things that please the Father. Now let me ask you a question. As Christians, are we supposed to be like Jesus Christ? I mean, that's clear in Scripture, is it not? If Jesus always did the things that please the Father, what should our goal be? It should be to always do the things that please the Father. We should be not only speaking the Father's words, but we should be doing the Father's pleasure if we're going to truly be his disciples. And so it's important for us to follow Jesus, speaking his words, doing his pleasure. And I think it implies doing whatever it takes. We, we talked about Matthew 16, 24, taking up his cross. We need to be willing to sacrifice in order to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Reminds me of another phrase that I read in the Declaration of Independence. Toward the end, this is what it said. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, 
our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Did you recognize that from those signers of the Declaration of Independence that many lost their lives? And that even more lost their fortunes? They recognized that they might have to sacrifice significantly in this process of Declaration of Independence. Sometimes we have to sacrifice as well. God does not want us to live an easy life. He wants us to walk in newness of life. He wants us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to deny ourselves, take up His cross, and follow Him. He wants us to be willing and and, and to do what it takes, whatever it is, to accomplish His purpose. So the question is this. Are we willing to be true followers of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to follow Jesus? Because we're not going to find true freedom without following Jesus. We find true freedom by following Jesus, and we find it by focusing on His Word. Again, John chapter 8, verse number 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. We've already talked about being disciples, following Jesus, but we need to focus on His Word. If you abide in My Word. What does it mean to abide in the Word? Does it mean that we have it open in front of us all the time as we're riding along in our car, driving along in our car, we're reading the Bible? No, I don't think that, that we ought to do that. Um, before I got married, I sometimes did that. But after I got married and had kids, I decided I shouldn't, shouldn't do that very, very often. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we are focused on God's Word. It doesn't mean that we have the Bible open in front of us all the time, but we need to be reading the Word. We need to be memorizing the Word. We need to be meditating on the Word. We need to be studying the Word. In other words, we need to spend a lot of time in God's Word. And the problem is, in America today, in the church in America today, many of us do not do that. Some of us, if we bring our Bibles to church, we take it home, put it on a shelf, and we keep it there the rest of the week. Or we don't open our Bible app during the course of the week. How many of you like to eat? Raise your hand if you like to eat. Okay. Do you, do you eat most days? I, I hate to say it, but I visited a Sunday school class this morning. And they had homemade pound cake. And I had a piece of pound cake during, right before the service. And um, I like to eat. You can look at me and tell that I like to eat. Which is more important, physical food or spiritual food? That, that depends on what's more important, earthly things or heavenly things. Well, it ought to be heavenly things. We should be seeking those things which are above. And if we're doing that, then we're going to be spending time in God's Word. How often? Well, how often do we eat physical food? Pretty often. How often do we eat spiritual food? How often do we spend time in God's Word, opening it, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, obeying it? We need to focus on God's Word. A couple of verses that relate to that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17 through 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. Does that sound positive? It certainly does. Unless, unless we just want to do whatever we want to do. 
Because it talks about reproof and instruction and righteousness and correction and things of that nature. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to do what they want to do rather than doing what God's Word tells them to do. They're resistant to the authority of God's Word. But when we are receptive to the authority of God's Word, then things work out a lot better. That goes along with Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world around you. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I'm convinced that we are the happiest when we are in line with God's will for us. That we're the happiest when we trust and obey. There's a song that says that. So many of us are resistant to God's word instead of receptive. We do need to be transformed by the renewing of the, the, the mind. And how we do that is we spend time in Scripture. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I recognize that the message of the world is very strong. And the world is saying, if it feels good, do it. Do what you want to do. God's Word is saying, if you really want to be happy, then do what God wants you to do. I'm going to end up with Joshua 1.8. God said to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. As we meditate on Scripture and obey Scripture, then we're going to be truly successful, truly prosperous, truly free. I'm glad that we live in a country that is free, that we have freedom in the United States of America. But I'm even gladder that we have freedom through faith in Jesus Christ. Freedom from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, from the presence of sin eventually. But that freedom comes through following Jesus Christ and focusing on His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that You will help us to determine that we are going to follow Jesus and that we are going to focus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Lord, the world around us is not following Jesus. The world around us is certainly not focusing on your word. I pray that we might be willing to be different, that we might believe your word and the principles therein, that we might be receptive to you, to your authority, to your instruction, and that through relationship in Jesus Christ, we will truly experience freedom as we follow you and as we focus on your word. In Jesus' name, amen.